Good morning, church. Good to be with you guys this morning as always. You know, if you were to ask my wife to describe my faults in two words, she would definitely say this, too many. My husband has way too many faults. But if you were to ask her to, to just mention two, she'd probably say these two things. My husband is super active and he's impatient. If you go to my house and you hang out with us just for a little, bo- a little while, it won't be long before you'll hear me say something like this. Vamanos, let's go. What's next? I got to keep on moving. See, I need to be notified of what's happening. There needs to be a plan in my life. Don't get me wrong. I can chill and watch TV. But if I'm going to do that, prepare me. Let me know. Hey, in seven days, we're going to chill and watch a movie so I can prepare myself mentally that that's what we're going to do. There needs to be a plan. I'm also impatient. I am patient. Don't freak out. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. I get it. But I'm impatient in certain situations behind the wheel. Every time I get behind the wheel and I'm at a red light and the person in front of me does not go and it's already green, I will say this. What shade of green do you want it, dude? And my wife will say, I, and I will say, they can't hear me. (laughs) If I'm in a parking lot and I want a parking space and I'm parked there, blinker on. The person's reverse lights are on and they're not backing up. You will hear me say something like this. Apurale, no tiene estrella. Back it up. And my wife will say, I, and I'll say, they can't hear me. (laughs) Certain situations, I'm impatient. In communication, sometimes I get impatient. If you begin to talk to me and it drags, in my mind, I'm thinking, land the plane. Get to the point. I've learned to be patient. I'm married to my beautiful wife, CJ, who loves details. Husbands, you probably can relate. Take note of this. I'm going to give you a great, great tip. When your wife begins to talk and she goes to rabbit holes and then this and that, she's all over the place. Two things are going to happen, but you need to be patient. First thing, she'll eventually land the plane. Whew. The other thing that's going to happen as she begins to talk and throw through rabbit holes and mention this about this about this, she'll stop because it's happened to me twice. What was I talking about? (laughs) So then the conversation ends. Now you're probably asking yourself, why are you telling us all these things? Because as we begin our journey, the gospel according to Mark, we're going to see that Mark is my kind of guy. Mark is, get to the point, let's go, move, 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 what's next, what's next, what's next. Mark is a kind of guy that wants to get to the point, but he makes his point. Before I forget, like I mentioned last week, I recommend as we begin this two-year journey in the gospel according to Mark, you pick up one of these journals It's got the gospel in there, but it's also got a lot of space to take notes. And I want you guys to take notes. We've got a lot to learn, as we always do when we open up the Bible. Bring your Bible. You can highlight them, but this is very practical. Now, hear me. You don't have to get one. 
But if you want to go to support the ministry that we support, one of the ministries, Bridge Ministries, pick up a copy, bring it as we begin our journey. And today we are going to begin that journey. And what we're going to see today is more of an overarching theme. We're going to step back and look at the gospel as a, as a whole. And specifically, we're going to look at three things today. We're going to look at the author. We're going to look at the structure. And also, we're going to look at the purpose. We need to know who the author was. We need to know how he wrote this gospel. But of course, we need to know the main reason, the purpose of the gospel according to Mark. The main verse in this gospel is found in chapter 10. Let me give us a little bit of context and then we'll jump into that verse. We read in chapter 10 of the gospel according to Mark that Jesus is walking with his apostles, has a lot of disciples following him, and this rich young ruler comes before Jesus and asks him, teacher, how do I inherit the kingdom of God? What do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus says, what does the law say? What does Moses say? And Jesus begins to remind him of the commandments. You shall not kill. You shall not steal. You shall not murder. And the young rich ruler says, I, I know, time out. I got it. I've done those things since I was a little boy. And then Jesus looks at him and says, you need to do one more thing. Sell all your possessions. Whatever you gain from those possessions, give them to the poor. And then, and then follow me. The rich young ruler cannot and did not, and he walks away. And then the apostles look at Jesus and say, wow, Jesus, how can one be saved? And this is what Mark writes in verse 27, chapter 10. Jesus looks at them and says, with man, it is impossible. But with God, with God, all things are possible. And then Peter says, okay, Jesus, I get it. But remember, Jesus, the 11 of us, the 12 of us, Judas was still there, the 12 of us, we've given up everything to follow you. Everything, our homes, our possessions, everything. That's got to be of some worth, Jesus. It's got to be of some value, right, in your kingdom. We're going to be up there in authority, aren't we? Verse 28, Peter says this. We have left everything and followed you, Jesus. Don't forget. And then Jesus answers him in verse 31. But many, many who are first will be last and the last first. Jesus looks at him and says, look, it's going to be different in my kingdom. As a matter of fact, it is different in my kingdom. If you want to be first, you need to be last. And I imagine that they continue to walk. And as they're walking, they're talking. And Jesus says, hey, guys, remember that I've mentioned this before. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be killed. But don't worry. On the third day, I will rise again. And the apostles are listening to Jesus saying, yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. I got it. I, I remember you telling us this. But then two of them, two brothers, James and John, go up to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, we're hearing what you're saying. But you know what we really want? My brother and I were talking, and we want to be numero uno y numero dos in your kingdom. I want to sit on your right side and on your left side. That's what we want. The other ten apostles are saying, wait, time out. We want that too, Jesus. 
Why do they get to sit in the, in the left side and your right side? We want to be on top as well. And Jesus at this point, probably super frustrated. He's thinking to himself, Cabezones, when are you going to learn? And he says this in verse 42. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them? And their great ones exercise authority over them? You know how the Gentiles are bosses and you know how they treat their employees? And they're saying, yeah, that's exactly how we want to be. We want to be the main guys so we can tell other people what to do. And then Jesus says this, man, this is so powerful. Verse 43, but it shall not be so among you. You, my followers, are going to be different. You are not going to lead in the manner you want to lead. He says, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Jesus telling the apostles, Jesus is telling you, telling me, all Christ's followers. You are going to be different. My followers are going to be servants. Why? And here we are, the main verse of the gospel according to Mark. If you've got your Bibles with you, underline it. If not, make a note of this verse. Mark 10, verse 45. Why? Jesus says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I came to serve. And you are going to serve as well. Not long after this, Jesus washes the feet of his apostles. That is the main verse of the gospel according to Mark. And here is the theme. This is what Mark is going to flesh out. This is what we're going to flesh out in this series together. Jesus, the suffering servant who gave his life as a ransom for mankind. That is the theme as we dig into this gospel. So with that being said, let's begin. Let's talk about the author. Who was the author? Now, unlike Paul and others in the Bible, see, Paul usually writes that he is writing that epistle. In most of the beginning of Paul's epistle, he will say something like this, I, Paul, the servant of Christ Jesus. But this is not the case with Mark. Mark never refers to himself or mentions that he is the author of this gospel that's named after him. But there are some indications. There are some indications that he was the author. As a matter of fact, many scholars believe that the young man that was in the garden who ran half naked as Jesus is getting arrested was indeed Mark. We read of this incident in Mark chapter 14 verse 51. And a young man followed him, followed Jesus, with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him. But he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Not only that, but many early church leaders confirm Mark as being the author of this gospel. Leaders such as Papias in 115 A.D., Leaders such as Clement of Alexander in 180 A.D., even the great Origen in 225 A.D. proclaim that Mark was truly the author of this gospel. 
I want to share some things about this author. Now, Mark, whole name was John Mark. John was his Jewish name, and Mark was his Roman name. John Mark is the author of this gospel. He had a mom named Mary. Now, Mary was a widow woman who lived in Jerusalem, was a friend to the apostles. As a matter of fact, many believe that she was very wealthy. Some of the early converts met in Mary's house. They celebrated together the Last Supper. As a matter of fact, we read in Acts 12, as Peter is incarcerated and he gets freed by an angel of God, Peter runs to Mary's house. Acts 12, 12, when he, talking about Peter, realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. It is also believed... That in this house, Mary's house, is where Jesus celebrated the Last Supper in that upper room with his apostles. Now the association between Mark and the apostles, the friendship that, that happened was because of Mary. And this association between Mark and the apostles lasted around 30 years. In the year 30 to 40 AD, this association begins through Mary. Both Mary and Mark are probably young converts when they meet the apostles. Between 40 and 50 AD, Mark associates, makes friends with the apostle Paul through Barnabas. Now Barnabas was Mark's cousin. Now for those of you that don't know who Barnabas was, Barnabas was the guy that discipled the apostle Paul. And through Barnabas, Mark's cousin, Mark, gets to meet Paul. We read about this association in Acts chapter 12, verse 25. And Barnabas and Saul, Saul changed his name to Paul after his conversion. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem where they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Barnabas and Paul go on this mission trip and they bring this young man, John Mark. The first mission trip. On the second mission trip, they bring him up again, but Mark bails on them halfway through the mission trip, and Paul becomes very upset. Acts chapter 13, verse 5. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of Jews, and they had John to assist them. Verse 13. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Paphilia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. He leaves. Midway on this mission trip, John leaves Barnabas and Paul. And Paul, like I mentioned, is, is upset. He's disappointed. On the next trip, Barnabas and Paul are ready to take off. And Barnabas says, hey, let's take this guy Mark with us. Give him another chance. And Paul says, no. No, he's too young. He will not go with us. And so they separate. Barnabas and Paul separate. Acts 15, verse 37. Now Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with him one who had withdrawn from them in Paphilia. And had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement. So they separated from each other. Barnabas, he took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul, he chose another young man named Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. 
between the years of 30 to 40 AD, an association of friendship begins between Mark and the apostles through his mother Mary. Between 40 and 50 AD, Mark gets to meet Paul through his cousin Barnabas. And between 56 to 60 AD, Mark restores fellowship with the apostle Paul. They make friends again. As a matter of fact, we read that Paul writes about Mark and he commends him to the church. Colossians chapter 4 verse 10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Between 60 and 70 AD, Paul, towards the end of his life, mentions Mark. They rebuild this relationship where Paul says that Mark is super important to the ministry of God's work. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 11. He says, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me for ministry. Between this time, Mark becomes really good friends with the apostle Peter. And the relationship is so tight between Peter and Mark that Peter mentions Mark as his own son. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. And so does Mark, my son. At this point, Mark becomes Peter's secretary. He hangs out with Peter and writes everything that Peter is telling him to write. Write this on your notes. This is so important. Reading for Mark is hearing from Peter. What we're about to read in this journey together are Peter's words. Everything that Peter learned from Jesus Christ, his teachings, his miracles, the way he lived as Peter walked with Jesus for three years in his ministry. Mark wrote them down. Mark was Peter's secretary. Between 65 and 67 AD, it is believed that the gospel of Mark was complete, was written. Now, some scholars believe it to be a little earlier in the year 64 AD. So that's why I wrote it between 65, wrote it as between 65 and 67. It was definitely before the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. And it was also before the death of Paul and Peter. And that happened somewhere between 65 and 67 AD. It's believed that some of Mark's writings were in circulation while the apostles were still alive between 64 and 67 AD. And we're going to see something in this gospel. We're going to see the emphasis that Mark puts on how hard it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. How hard it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because picture this. As Mark is writing the sayings of Peter. He is noticing that his good friends, the apostles, are being martyred one by one. And eventually his good friend Paul and his good friend Peter are also, also killed. Between 60 and 100 AD, most of the gospels and epistles had already been written and were in circulation in churches all over the nation. 
That's the author. Let's jump into the structure. The structure of the gospel according to Mark. His full name, John Mark. Now, Mark can be divided into two sections. But the emphasis on the gospel of Mark is to prove that Jesus is divine. His divinity. The suffering Messiah. These two sections can be divided into, first of all, he's going to prove his divinity through his teachings, Jesus' teachings, and his miracles. And we're going to see that in chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to midpoint of this gospel, chapter 8, verse 26. The second half, the second section, Mark is going to prove Jesus' divinity through his death, burial, and resurrection. That also begins midpoint, chapter 8, verse 27, all the way to the last chapter, 16, verse 20. The gospel of Mark is Christ-centered. It is all about Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. We're going to see that, but then it's going to just end abruptly. Just all of a sudden, boom, it ends. But he's short and to the point that Jesus is divine. The suffering Messiah who came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Mark is considered a synoptic gospel. A synoptic gospel. There are four gospels in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Three of those gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are classified as synoptic gospel. They are similar in structure. They are similar in context. John is a little different. The gospel according to Mark is the shortest of the gospels, 16 short chapters. Two-fifths deal with the last week of Jesus' life. It is believed to be the oldest of the gospel. It is believed to be the first written. Again, like I mentioned, anywhere between 65 and 67 A.D. Others have even put it earlier at 64 A.D. The text is clear, short, and to the point. Some refer to this gospel as the urgent gospel who was a primary audience mark wrote this primarily to roman gentiles now if you know much about the roman civilizations romans were my kind of guy they wanted us to be short and sweet and to the point and that's why mark wrote the way he wrote and unlike matthew and luke mark spends no time explaining the background of jesus christ As we're going to see next week, he jumps right into Jesus' baptism where his ministry begins. And then he goes right after that, right away. Mark is centered on action and a reaction. This word immediately is used 41 times in this gospel. Immediately. And immediately after he was baptized, he's led into the wilderness. And immediately they left everything and they went to be with Jesus. Immediately, immediately, rapido, vámonos, quick, quick, quick. 18 out of the 35 miracles are mentioned in Mark. And Mark only mentions four of Jesus' parables. There are over 50, and Mark only mentions four. We're going to see that Mark emphasizes on people's reactions to this, his teachings, to Jesus' teachings. We're going to hear words like they were amazed, they were angry, they were surprised. And the theme, again... Jesus is the vine, the servant Messiah. And I'm going to mention it again. Mark calls for his audience, for anyone 
who reads God's word, inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by John Mark. We're going to see this, this action for us to repent, for us to believe, and for us to be baptized. That is the structure. Let's jump into the purpose. The purpose of the gospel according to Mark Next week, we're going to see how he opens up the gospel in verse 1, chapter 1. And this is what he says. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In the opening verse, we see the book's title and we see the theme. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The gospel, which means good news. The good news of Jesus Yeshua in Hebrew. Joshua, which means Yahweh salvation. The good news of Jesus Christ. Christ is a Hebrew title of Messiah, which means anointed one. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In the Son of God, that title, we see that unique relationship between God the Father and God the Son. We see that Jesus is fully divine and we're going to see that mark emphasizes this title three times in the gospel of mark three times he really emphasizes the title the son of god in the beginning as we're going to see next week in mark chapter 1 verse 11 in jesus's baptism this is what it says and a voice came from heaven and said this you are my beloved son with you I am well pleased. And then towards the middle at Jesus' transfiguration, Mark chapter 9 verse 7 says, And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud and said, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And then towards the end at Jesus' crucifixion, Mark 15 verse 39 and when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was a son. Of God. Mark emphasizes the deity, his title, the Son of God. The turning point, the turning point in this gospel is right in the middle, Mark 8:29. Jesus sends his, his apostles two by two, they come back, and Jesus asks them, who, who do they say? Who do the people say that I am? And they start to respond to him. Oh, some people say you're Moses. Others say you're Elijah. But watch what Jesus asks. Mark chapter 8 verse 29. And he asked them, but who do you, you personally, who do you say that I am? And then Peter responds, you are the Christ. You are who you say you are. That is the turning point. That is midway through the gospel. Prior to this, Mark, as I mentioned, Proves the divinity of Jesus Christ through all his miracles and his teachings. Right after this, we're going to see the theme. Jesus, the suffering servant who gave his life as a ransom for mankind. Turning point. Which brings us back to the main verse in Mark chapter 10 verse 45. For even the Son of Man, Jesus says, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I emphasize that word, many. 
Why didn't Jesus say that he came and gave his life as a ransom for everyone? He says many. Do you want to know why? Because not everyone is going to repent and believe. Those that put their trust in Jesus Christ, those are the many. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, how can I be saved, Jesus? And Jesus says, mm -mm, impossible. With man, impossible. You cannot save yourself. But with God, all is possible. With God, through trusting his son, Jesus Christ, and what he did for you and for me at the cross, with that, a dead man is brought to life. With that, eternity comes to those who believe. John 3, 16, very familiar verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes, trusts in him, should not perish but have eternal life. It's not believing in your head, it's trusting in your heart that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was sufficient for the forgiveness of our sins. The purpose of the gospel of Mark is for us to repent, to believe, and be baptized. And he emphasizes it by being urgent. Church, there is an urgency. The apostles, after returning from being out in the field, tell Jesus who people said he was. And Jesus says, okay, who do you say that I am? Jesus is asking you this morning, who do you say that he is? Do you believe that he is truly the son of God? Three times, church, three times, Mark emphasizes this title, the son of God. In the beginning at his baptism, the clouds open up. God speaks in a loud voice with hundreds of people there. And he says, you, you, specifically you talking to his son, Jesus Christ. You, my son, you are my beloved son. I am so, so pleased with you. Personally, specifically. In the middle of the transfiguration, Jesus goes up to the mountain, takes his apostles with him. Smaller crowd. And God opens up the heaven and he says to the people present, this, this is my beloved son. This guy, this guy is who he says he is. Pay attention to him. At the very end, Jesus, Jesus is hanging on the cross and he takes his last breath. Man looks up at him and says, man, you are truly, truly the son of God. Twice, God declares who he is. Once, man declares who he is. Do you, do you declare as a centurion sinner declared before at the feet of Jesus Christ that he was truly the son of God? Do you declare that? Do you believe that in your heart? Because if you don't, church, there is an urgency and my prayer as we journey through this gospel is that you realize 
that Jesus is the Son of God. That you realize that He is the way, that He is the truth, that He is the life. Let's pray. Father, I pray that even before we jump into this gospel, if anybody's sitting here that doesn't understand what it means to have eternity with you, what it means to trust your Son as their Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit, I ask that you move in them. That they understand that there's nothing they can do, nothing to merit their salvation, but it's everything that you have done through your Son, Jesus Christ, to trust in His sacrifice. And I pray as we journey through this gospel together as a church that we glorify you. And that we share this urgency, the good news of your son Jesus Christ, the son of man. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great week.